Hello. Um, I hope everyone had a wonderful first days of Pesach. We are on the bottom of 24a, Chavdalad Amad Aleph, the last line at the colon. said, I saw that Rebbe or Rebbe Huda, he burped, Ufihek, he yawned, Vinis Atish, and he sneezed, Virak, and he spit. Next page, Chavdalad Amad 24b, and he was handling his clothes, um, apparently to take uh, an insect off of him. So he did all of this while in the middle of davening. But he would not wrap himself in the talis, meaning if his talis, if his uh, prayer shawl fell off of him, he would not put it back on in the middle of davening, in the middle of the prayer service. And when he would yawn, he would put his hand on his chin. In other words, he would cover the yawn out of respect. So that is the testimony that was given about Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi when it came, comes to prayer. And if he was doing it, he was most probably doing things right. So now we have a question. Let's ask on this. Somebody that raises their voice during davening is someone of little faith because God doesn't, you don't need to raise your voice for God to hear you. If you make your voice loud in the middle of davening, then you are like a false prophet. Again, similar type of idea. The false prophets would make their voices very loud in order for God to hear them. If somebody um, burps or somebody um, yawns during uh, davening, during prayer, then they are considered haughty. Somebody who sneezes during prayer, it's a bad omen for him. And some say, it's clear that this person is suffering from something that is foul. Harak bitfilaso, somebody that spits in the middle of davening, ki'ilu rak it's as if they are split, spitting in front of the king. So now we have a question. We can understand how this b'risa, which tells us how it's inappropriate to burp or yawn during prayer, is not a contradiction to Rabbi Yehuda's conduct that he did to the, exactly that during prayer. Um, why isn't there a contradiction? Because, right, so that's not a contradiction. The fact that the Brisa says that it's not good and Rebbe did it during his davening because Kamla on so, Kamla it's so no. In Rebbe's scenario, um, he did it involuntarily. It just happened. Whereas in the case of the Brisa, where we say that it's arrogant to do those things, that's when you do it willingly. But we have a question about sneezing. It sounds like Rebbe had... Rebbe would um, sneeze during davening, during his prayer, whereas we just learned that uh, it's considered something that is um, that it's considered something that is foul, and we basically say that sneezing is for sure, is involuntary. <coughs> There's no such thing as voluntary sneezing. So we answer as follows. Sorry about that sneeze, by the way. Sneezing against sneezing is also not a question. It's not a contradiction. In Rebbe Huda's case, um, where he did sneeze, that was from above. That was from his nose, emitting that type of air from your nose. Whereas 
in the case where we said it's not a nice thing to do during davening, that's where we, that's where you're emitting gas from your bottom. In other words, you're you're passing gas, and that's when we say that it's not the right thing to do during davening. as Ribzera says, Hamilsa Rav Hamnuna. Um, the following thing was made known to me in the Academy of Rav Hamnuna. Ki Kula and it's equal to me like all of my all of the learning that I have done. What is it? Somebody who sneezes during davening is it's a good omen. Because the idea is is just like you have this um, satisfaction below. I, in other words, in this world, because there's a, it's very satisfying to sneeze. So too, are um, you going to have satisfaction above in the in heaven? So that's the idea. But now we have another question, a contradiction between the testimony about Rebbe's conduct during davening and the brisa. Raka ella raka al raka kasha. There's a question about spitting. It seemed to have been a contradiction because the brisa says someone who spits during davening is bad, whereas Rebbe himself seemed to have spit during davening. So we answer raka al raka nami lo kasha. Spitting against spitting is not a contradiction. F shirkid Rav Yehuda. Um, it could be like Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda said, If someone was standing in the middle of davening and saliva comes into his mouth, he should absorb it into his talus, into his cloak. And if his cloak is very nice and he doesn't want uh, spit to be on it, then he could should um, absorb it with his turban. So perhaps what we'll say is, is that when we talk about it being inappropriate to spit during davening, that's when you're just spitting onto the ground. But if you discreetly do it into either your turban or to your cloak, which sounds kind of um, off to us, but if you do that, then it's fine, and perhaps that's what Rebbe did. Um, Ravina have a kaya Ravashi, and we know that Ravina was one time standing behind Ravashi. This daman rok and saliva developed in Ravashi's mouth. Paskel Achore and Rav Ashi spit it behind him. Amrleir Ravina said to him, Don't you hold of that which Rav Yehuda said that Africa suso, that you should be um, absorbing the spit into your turban. Amrleir Rav Ashi said, Anina Daitai. I am very sensitive to these things, and doing something like that is just beyond what I am comfortable with, and that's why I didn't do it. But if for sure, if you're somebody that isn't so sensitive, so delicate, then you should be spitting it into your turban instead of on the ground during davening. Now we're going to talk about the next part. We're on the first of the medium-sized lines at the colon. Somebody that raises their voice during prayer is somebody that is has a small of faith. We only this only refers to somebody who can properly focus when davening quietly. But if they cannot focus while praying quietly, then motar, then it's allowed, then it's fine to raise your voice during davening. But that's only true if you're davening by yourself. That if you can concentrate, then you can be loud. But if you're doing it with a congregation, you may come to confuse the congregation, and therefore you cannot daven loudly, because if you daven loud, people will kind of mess up in their own focus and their own concentration. Okay. Rebbe Abba, 
Um, we are now one, two, three, four lines down in the middle of the medium-sized lines at the colon. Rabbi Abba, have a kamis shamet mined Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Abba was trying to hide from Rabbi Huda. Because Rabbi Abba wanted to go to Israel, um, and Rabbi Huda would not let him. Tamar Rabbi Huda, because Rabbi Huda felt he had an interesting way of reading a verse. He said, Anybody that goes up from Babylonia to Israel transgresses a positive commandment. Shinemar, as the verse says, um, this is in Yirmiyahu, in uh, Jeremiah, It says, They will be brought to Babylonia, and there they shall be until the day that God... Um, until the day I remember him, um, thus is the word of God. So in other words, you cannot go up from Bavil, from Babylonia to Israel by yourself. You only can go once God brings you. Now this is a novel um, reading because really the accepted reading of this is a reference to the, um, the vessels of the Holy Temple, not to people. Okay. Omar, so Rabbi Abbot said to himself, I need to, I need to avoid Rabbi Yehuda. So Ezel, Rabbi Yehuda, Ezel So what I'll do is, is I'm going to go and hear from him some words from the study hall, but specifically from outside the study hall, so I don't need to see him. The Hadar Apik, and then I will go, so I do can completely avoid him. Also, Ashkelatana to come in and come in, Rabbi Yehuda. So he went and he found. Somebody was teaching, that he found a teacher of Brisa teaching before Rav Yehuda, saying as follows. If you were standing in the middle of davening and you pass gas, you should wait until the foul odor passes from where you are standing, and then go back to the prayer service. Some say, if someone was standing in the middle of prayer and felt the urge to pass gas, they should walk four cubits backwards, away from the place where they were standing to pray. Ooh, and then pass gas. And then wait for the, ga the, the odor to, to pass. And then go back to where you are standing. And pray. But before the, you continue with your prayer service, you should say as follows. Master of the world. You created us with <coughs> cavities. Cavities upon cavities, chalulim, chalulim, openings upon openings. It is known and revealed before you. Our shame and our humiliation in our lives. And at the end, during our ends, um, how we will become worms and maggots. That's what you should say. And then, and then start from where you left off, going back to the prayer service. Amar Serbi Abba said to the person teaching the Brisas, If I had only come to hear this one thing, Dayo, it would have been enough. Dayenu, it would have been enough. How apropos. Okay, now we're going to talk about a bit of a new topic. We're going to talk about saying Shema, last of the medium-wide lines on the colon. Ton Rabbanon, the Rabbis Tad, Hayyashem et if you are sleeping in your cloak. The, no, don't forget, people used to sleep without any clothes on, so there was a cloak covering you. But it's so cold in your room that you cannot get your head out of your cloak. So in other words, your entire body, your naked body, including your head, is all under a cloak. Um, and you need to say Shema. So we say, um, So basically, he should kind of 
make a separation between his body and the rest of his and and his head using the cloak while keeping his head still under the cloak but allow the cloak to kind of serve as a separation make it tight around your neck basically the karikrishma and then say the shema so that your heart i'm sorry so that your um so that your 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 head is separated from your nakedness and some say that you should actually wrap the cloak around your heart so that your heart is separated from your nakedness while saying the Shema Vatanakama. So the first opinion, why does he say to do it around your neck and not your heart? Hare libo erva. Isn't your heart then going to see your nakedness during Shema? So we answer, Kosavor. So the first opinion holds, libo that if your heart sees your nakedness, it's still allowed to say Shema. Okay, now we're going to talk about saying Shema in a different circumstance. If you are walking in the dirty alleyways, um, and now it's time for Shema, you should put your hand over your mouth, and say Shema. That way there's a separation between your mouth that's saying Shema and the dirty area. If Rabbi Yochanan himself had told this to me, I would not have listened to him. There's no way that that is going to be sufficient. Ikadarmi, some say, Amr Rabbi Barchana, Amr Bishuban Levi. Rabbi Barchana said in the name of Shuban Levi, If you are walking in the dirty alleyways, you should put your mouth on, hand on your mouth and say the Shema. Amr Lev Chisav Chista said, by God. Levi himself told me this, I would not have listened to him. Again, there's no way that that is sufficient if you're in the middle of dirty alleyways. Now, did Rav Huna really say this, that you're allowed to say Shema in a dirty alleyway? A Torah scholar is not allowed to stand in a dirty place. Because it's impossible for a Torah scholar to stand without thinking about Torah thoughts, and that's not allowed to be done in a dirty alleyway. So certainly then you cannot say Shema in a dirty alleyway, even if your mouth is even if your hand is covering your mouth. So we answer low kasha, not it's not a contradiction. Kamba omed, kamba mahalech. Where Rav Huna was stringent about the the Torah scholar, that's where you're actually standing in a dirty alleyway. Where he allows you to say Shema, that's when you're walking through. You're just you're not standing still in that dirty alleyway. Okay, umiyar Rabbi Yochanan hachi. Now, did Rabbi Yochanan really say this? That you can say Shema in a dirty alleyway. But didn't Rabbi Barchana say in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that you're allowed to um, think about words of Torah everywhere, except for in a bathhouse and in a bathroom? So we see that you're not allowed to think words of Torah in dirty places, according to Rabbi Yochanan. So how could he have said that you'd be allowed to say it in a dirty alleyway? Now, perhaps you'll say that we can use the same differentiation as we did last. Kanba omed, that where we say that, where Rabbi Yochanan said that you could not think words of Torah in a dirty place, that's when you're standing in it. Kanba mahalech, whereas in the, whereas where Rabbi Yochanan does allow you to say Shema, that's when you're walking through and not actually standing still. Ini, is this, but is this true? Is this differentiation correct? Vahama Rabbi Avo, have a ka'azl Rabbi Yochanan. But didn't it one time happen that Abavo was walking behind Rabbi Yochanan, the Havakakari Kriyashma, 
And Rabavo was saying the Shema, and once he got to the dirty alleyways, Ishtik, he stopped saying it. He just stopped completely. And then he said to Rabbi Yochanan, to where should I return? Meaning, I stopped saying the Shema, now that I'm out of the dirty alleyways, where should I continue from? And Rabbi Yochanan said to him, If you stopped long enough to finish the entire Shema, then you should start back at the very beginning of the Shema. So we see from the fact that Rabbi Yochanan told him to start again. Obviously, Rabbi Yochanan felt that what Rabbi Vohu did was appropriate, to have stopped once he got to the dirty alleyways and not said Shema at that point. Um, so, if that's the case, we seem to have a contradiction in Rabbi Yochanan. So, he answers as follows. No, this is what Rabbi Yochanan was telling Rabbi Vohu. For me, I don't hold that you needed to stop saying Shema once you got to the dirty alleyway. So, according to me, your question is a non-starter. But according to you, that held that you needed to stop saying Shema once you got to the dirty alleyway. Then I'm answering according to your view. And my answer then would be is that if you stop for long enough to finish the entire Shema, Chazor Laroj, then you should go back to the beginning. Tanik Vasei There's a Braisa like Rav Huna. Tanik And there's a Braisa like Rav Chista. Tanik There's a Braisa like Rav Huna. If you're walking through dirty alleyways, you can put your hand on your mouth via Kriyashma and say Shema. That's like Rav Huna. Tanik Vasidav Chista. Then there's a Brisa like Rav Chista, who said opposite of Rav Huna. If you're standing, if you're walking through dirty alleyways, Lo Yikra you should not say Shema at all. Lo Od, and not only that, Elishim Hayakare, if you were in the middle of Shema, Uva, and then you got to the uh, the, the the dirty place, Posek, you should stop, you should stop and only start again once you are out of the dirty place. So now we're going to ask, Lo Pasek Maina, what happens if you did not stop? What happens if you, according to Rav Chista, you're supposed to stop. What happens if you didn't and you continue to say the Shema as you're walking through the dirty alleyway? Amr Rav Miyasha Levi. said in the name of Rav Shuban Levi. Allah HaKasuv Omer, about him, the verse says, V'gamanina sati lahem chukim lo tovim. I gave them decrees that were not good. Umishvatim lo yichyubahem. And, by, and I gave them laws by which they could not live. So basically, in other words, he is transgressing these good laws. Rabbi Asi Yomar Rabbi says, this is what we say about a person who does not stop to, does not stop from saying Shema in the dirty alleyway. Woe is it to those who pull transgression with cords of falsehood. Rabbi Adabar Ava Amar Mehachar. Rabbi Adabar Ava says, from, this is what we say, from here, this is what we would say about him. Ki Hashem he degraded the word of God. Vi'im pasak and if he does stop, then what is his reward? Amar Abavo, Abavo says, Allah v'kasav Omer, about him the verse says, v'odavar hazet tarich yomim, and through this thing, your life will be lengthened. Amar Avun Avun says, hayasat haliso chagur lo amasnav, if your cloak was tied around your hips, you're allowed to say Shema, even though your torso is exposed. Tanya Namihach, we also learned this in a Brisa. Um, if your cloak, um, which is either made out of um, cloth or leather, 
or sackcloth is tied around your um, is tied around your hips. Motelikos Krishma, you are allowed to say the Shema. Avalatfila, but for the Shmona Esrei, for davening, for the prayer service, says Libo, then your heart must be covered. So we'll stop here for today. Um, we first talked about what are proper, what are inappropriate things to do during davening, and we made a we we definitely differentiated between willingly and unwillingly. Um, then we talked about what to do if you do need to do some things that are that that uh, are inappropriate during diving, such as spitting or passing gas, and how, what exactly you should do to handle that. We talked about raising your voice during davening and when it's appropriate. Um, And then we talked about the um, how clothed do you need to be to say the Shema. Then we talked about saying things in dirty places, like the con that those types of circumstances, if they're allowed or not allowed, and when they would be allowed. Um, and then we talked about. And then we talked about. Um, sorry. Then we went went and spoke more about how to say Shema. Um, when is it appropriate to say Shema? Um, with what um, with what layers or what level of clothing is necessary? Okay, we'll stop here.